0: Today, we're going to be speaking with Josh Adler, who is the Vice President of Global Programs at the African Leadership Academy. Also, we've got Karida Stincholo, who's an entrepreneur, and also an Anzisha Fellow. Let me start with you, Josh. Thank you once again. You guys have become our friends and family here at Channel Africa, so it's great to be speaking (laughs) to you once again.
1: Uh, Thanks for having us.
0: What I love about um, the African Leadership Academy, it's just it's... uh, not just uh, orientation around young people, but also its much equal passion around entrepreneurship. Tell us around this event that's happening today. Tell us what the Academy wants to achieve through this particular initiative.
1: So this came about because uh, we felt no one was talking about the move from school and university directly onto entrepreneurship. Sure. You, there are hundreds of entrepreneurship conferences and events every year. There are hundreds of education uh, conferences and events every year. Mm. Uh, and I think we've got it. We, everyone knows about the skills crisis, fourth industrial revolution, etc. Mm. Everyone knows about the jobs crisis and that entrepreneurship could solve almost that.
0: That messaging becomes a mantra in every mm. job summit you hear, or other an entrepreneurship program. Correct. It almost becomes like an ever kind of ongoing talk conversation where really what people really need are the skills, uh, is the context in which they're working in, in terms of entrepreneurs, and I think sometimes that gets lost in
1: some of the conversations. Yeah, well, they're they're just huge topics, Hmm. actually. Hmm. You know, they're big labels, uh, but actually, we need to start talking about, you know, it's like a label on a big Boeing, Hmm. but we actually just need to start talking about how the wing works. Sure. Um, So... You, you know, we're in this really desperate situation if you look at the data uh, around how many young people are going to be forced to figure out their own pathways um, and this, this this step. What are all the different things that we could do as parents, teachers, uh, other kinds of stakeholders, investors, policymakers, et cetera, around making this transition from very young to very young entrepreneur mm-hmm. uh, successful? And that's what this event is all about. We've got different panels on different things. Uh, young entrepreneurs here, teachers here, parents here. Uh, investors here, uh, all talking about that, just that mm-hmm. particular issue, the transition from school and university to entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Uh, how can we make that happen?
0: Why do you think there's a gap in terms of that particular area? Because you think people will invest their time in that particular transition period, but it's not something that people have been looking at. It's almost like a missing gap in our hard. dialogue. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's hard mm. it's very simple sure so here's what's so funny about um, attention right mm. um, and I think about this a lot so so we have uh, attention broadly is just aggregating to smaller and smaller things you know you've got a few celebrity Facebook profiles and they get more and more mm. uh, because it's just easier to do uh, to follow the big story mm. um, and we actually need to kind of there are networks of networks you know Curtis' story is one story and a plethora of millions of stories mm-hmm. uh, of, of successfully doing this. And his story is inspiring to a particular kind of other young African that is just behind him. And he is inspired by five or six other Africans that are just ahead of him. Mm-hmm. And that needs to meld its way together. Mm-hmm. He, I don't think, is actually inspired by these big American Silicon Valley examples. Mm-hmm. You know, we might like them on Facebook or whatever, but mm-hmm. I don't think you can connect your reality mm-hmm. to what might be happening there. So we're trying to connect those dots mm-hmm. uh, and make it a little bit more closer to reach.
0: Yeah, Karidas, let's come to you in terms of, you know, how you got involved into entrepreneurship and how you actually made the, that transition from mm. high school phase or whether it's a university phase into actually becoming an entrepreneur. Just give us a bit of an example in terms of your narrative and your story in terms mm. of the difficulties around that and how you navigated yourself around that.
2: Yeah, I think it's uh it's... It was quite an interesting transition for me. Um, I think um, it was only, I think, at university where I really started my first formal business. uh, And what was your business? Um, I think what we did at the time, uh, it was a. It was a, we did financial education. We had like a, 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 we take the stuff we're learning in class, all the hectic investment stuff, we dumb it down and we put it on a website. Ah. Then we turn that into a magazine. Um, And over time, the business started growing. So we started getting clients. We started getting more and more clients. um, And I kind of found myself stuck in between where I have a very important meeting with a very important client in Joburg. And at the same time, I've got an exam. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know <laughs> and i and and i can't tell my client that i couldn't deliver because yeah, sure. i had a tutorial or because i had an exam cuz then don't they not take me seriously sure. and then they can't i can't close them as a client um, and into my third year is when it really intensified cuz now we had a small office space um, in newlands and more and more needing to fly up to joburg more and more while i was studying in cape town yeah. and i really had to sit with myself and look at myself in the mirror And have the real chat in terms of what do I actually what do I really actually want to do with my life, you know? And I was studying uh, actuarial science at the time, and my initial plan was to become a great actuarial scientist (laughs) and just you know what I mean. Sure. Um, But there was something about entrepreneurship that just made me happy. It's something that I wanted to do. It didn't feel like work. It felt like something that I thoroughly actually enjoyed doing. Yeah. Um, And myself and my co-founders had to sit down and have a thorough chat. So we decided that you know what, guys, we're actually going to drop out, right? Um, And the way we reasoned it was we're going to give ourselves one year if, to see because we, clearly we like this entrepreneurship yeah, thing yeah. so we'll give yeah. ourselves one year to see if this thing actually yeah. will work out and if it doesn't we could always go back to varsity yeah. um, and it was good as if we, had, we failed the whole year course or we failed <laughs> one course or something like that and when I made that decision yeah. everyone was shocked so everyone was like, no, you, your life's going to end, Like <laughs> it's the end of the world, don't drop out, don't drop out, don't sure. drop out. Um, and looking back, it was actually the best decision I could have made because that culminated into a business that um, like thousands, we've got about 3,000 farmers on the platform. What do you that, do that
0: now? That How, what, what has your uh, business morphed into now?
2: So now we I run an agri-tech startup where we connect farmers directly with formal marketplaces. Oh, so we crowdsource produce from multiple emerging farmers, we supply into big supermarket chains, we supply into big restaurant chains, mm. chains. Mm. rocker mamas, picking pay we supplied to McDonalds by awesome. crisp yeah. Um and I think had I not taken that leap I would have not discovered where I am now and things don't have to be mutually exclusive. So for example I ended up kind of wrapping up my degree part time at mm-hmm. wits, mm-hmm. but that leap of that having that one year to actually go into it mm-hmm. and at the time it was like a taboo thing to say yeah. but no education is the key to success yeah, and yeah. what people say yeah. you know and, um, and, 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 and that's
0: the issue because that's what you guys were highlighting earlier on the fact that there is kind of a gap in our education system in terms of the fact that there are possibilities in terms of not going into the career, p- the normal traditional career path and choosing a different alternative path, and entrepreneurship is not really motivated within our sphere of education.
1: Yeah, and what's so f- fascinating about Chris's story is he's essentially a proof point of entrepreneurship as a career. Mm. So th- the traditional view of, of, of all opportunity is you have to Someone has to teach you something about how you're supposed to do something, and then only once they've said you're good enough at the thing (laughs) are you allowed to do it for real as an adult, maybe in your mid-twenties or something. Mm. But the world just is not going to work like that. We're now going to do it as we go. Mm. So so he might use the term dropout, which I think is a label the world has given him. Mm. Uh, I don't I don't think that. <laughs> yeah. I think he was on an entrepreneurship career path. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there was a time at which he was actually running his business while acquiring skills at the same time. Mm-hmm. For a period in time, those skills were acquired from a formal education institution. Mm-hmm. Others, he was doing MBA as he goes, building mm-hmm. the plane while flying, learning other stuff mm-hmm. from sure. clients and stuff. Sure. Mm-hmm. Then he goes, okay, I'm going to do that. Now I'm going to actually... I, I still feel I need the credential of mm-hmm. some of the institutions. I'm going to do a part-time. I think you mm-hmm. said it's from WITS. Yeah, okay, yeah. So so, he he has completely followed this path
0: yeah.
1: you know getting it just in time as he needs yeah, it yeah. so that he can actually build a business mm-hmm. with yeah. his friends and colleagues as he went uh, how old are you now uh, i'm 24 so 24 <laughs> right and yeah. he got so he's he is 24 he hasn't had to say now i'm 24 mm. someone gave me permission <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Sure. now i got the thing the yeah, certificate yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. that's not how he's doing it yeah. he's actually just he's 24 with it all and he's going to carry on growing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm sure he'll go back to school in other ways. Yeah. And yeah. that's what we all have to figure out. Like how do we support more examples like this yeah. without it being prejudiced? Yeah. The
0: biggest challenge around young entrepreneurs and what seems to be the excuse why they don't embark in entrepreneurship is the issue of capital. That's kind of a uh, one of the biggest fears for young people who want to actually get into entrepreneurship and also before that it's an innovative idea because there's so many ideas that you might think you have a unique idea and you get into the market and there's no r- real space for you yeah. in, in the industry and i think those two issues Sometimes become the stopping factor for someone to become an entrepreneur. What What do you
2: yeah. think of that, guys? I know you have a strong opinion <laughs> on
1: this.
2: I think I think the capital thing is is, is actually an excuse. Yeah. Um, I think it's actually very important for you to start without capital, and I think that's the point at which you actually become a good entrepreneur. Mm. So I'll give you our story. Um, so we started, um, and I think within. The first six months, we were able to secure, I think about 300,000 rand funding, um, which was the month that we actually dropped out and came to Joburg. Um, And we came to Joburg with 300,000 rand and we blew that 300,000 rand in one month, completely vamoose, gone. Like we spent on the most stupid stuff you can imagine, like we're renting a car, (laughs) we're staying in a guest house, like we literally blew it completely Mm -hmm. and then we went broke Uh, because we did a job for a government client and they took about 14 months to pay us so they put us in a complete drought of about 14 months Mm. and looking at it I actually became a much better entrepreneur during that drought um, that drought season Mm. you know how so Mm. in the sense that it teaches you to make the best with the little that you can you know Mm. what I mean so you have to Kind of optimal It teaches you how to optimize resources, so that even when you do get to the point where you actually receive funding, you don't actually put it to waste because mm. you can optimize. You know, uh, when you have when you don't have capital, it forces you to be creative. So how do you be creative with getting your intended outcome mm. with using? Uh, so, so for example with Kula right, yeah. um, logistics was a big problem for us yes we have the app yes we have the farmers sure. but we don't have the trucks yeah. how are we going to deliver tons and tons of, of cabbages or, or lettuce to sure. McDonald's sure. then it forced us to think actually guys do we need to own trucks yeah. um, and then we came up with the idea to actually we built a logistics platform um, where we get logistics companies with pre-certified trucks yeah. to load their trucks on sure. our platform sure. and then instead of their trucks being parked in the parking lot they complete trips for us but we were forced into that by the fact that we actually did didn't have capital. It kind of forced us sure. to rethink logistics as a concept. Sure. Um, and I think not having capital, it's actually good, especially in the beginning phase, because it forces you to really yeah. churn out your idea and kind of learn to to, to optimize, you know. Mm. And then then you get capital at the right stage when you've kind of learned that hard nine yards. And sure. also even for investors, like yeah. with the investors that i have engaged with, they all want to see how much skin in the game. They yeah. call it skin yeah. in the game. Like how much skin in the game do you actually have? So how yeah. much Blood and sweat have you actually put into this thing? And the lack of capital is actually what makes you, um, I think, a good entrepreneur. And then capital should be an enabler, not the solution. All right,
0: let's wrap it up because I see there's also other guests standing by, Josh. In terms of creating this new pathway for young people to think in, especially that entrepreneurship can be centralized as an option even within our education system. How do we actually change that mindset from an educator's perspective? I know you've got an educator session happening right now and also a teacher's session happening right now around how do you encourage youth entrepreneurship? Where do we start?
1: It starts at school. Yeah. No doubt about it. Yeah. Uh, everyone needs to behave differently around school. Parents need to encourage their kids and be supportive of those if their child chooses a more entrepreneurial path and a more mm-hmm. traditional career. and wor- mm-hmm. and if they don't know how to, they need to go and ask people who are how to do it. Sure, you know. If mm. your kid wanted to learn soccer, you'd read up on how to help them. Sure. You know, think about sure. the same. Mm. Teachers need to think differently. They're encouraging particular sector interests that we're not sure are helpful. Mm. Uh, there's huge roles. I think capital plays a really important role. Mm. Players like ourselves with the prize. Mm. Um, we we need to do two things. We need to paint a picture long term in the future, like 2050, 2060, mm-hmm. where young entrepreneurs are a significant majority of entrepreneurs that are starting businesses. Mm-hmm. It's not 40-year-olds that are starting businesses, mm-hmm. it's 22-year-olds. Mm-hmm. We need to paint that picture mm-hmm. and then get everybody to work backwards. If that's the picture, mm-hmm. what do I do today as a teacher, a mm-hmm. policymaker, an investor to make that reality true? Mm-hmm. Because unless we do that, mm-hmm. we're just going to sit with the same sort of incremental improvements we're seeing economically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're convinced that if young people are better supported into this entrepreneur path early, Mm. the whole employment situation is going to change because they're going to hire their friends and peers, Mm -hmm. just like Curtis has done, Mm -hmm. just like all the other young entrepreneurs that are in this room today have done. Mm. That's the story. And just to
0: wrap it up, I know that you guys are also launching a scenario initiative. Tell us a little bit about that, um, just so we know for our listeners Mm. what other programs you intend through this vehicle of this particular summit.
1: Great. So the Anzisha scenario is... um, Similar to what the World Economic Forum have done with the fourth industrial revolution. Sure. It paints a picture of the future either with fear or hope, <laughs> and you kind of get people to react. To it. Sure. The Enzisha scenario says, what does the future look like if young Africans pursue entrepreneurship as a career and sure. hire their age mates? Mm. It's, a, it's, it's a scenario planning policy influence campaign. Mm-hmm. And scenario planning is used to influence policy all over the world. Sure. Essentially, governments come together. They paint a picture of an economic future of a country or a city, mm-hmm. and then they work, and they come up with a scenario called like the the rising phoenix, mm. sure. or the you know the, the wheelbarrow in the doldrums, and we try to avoid the doldrums and we try to become the phoenix. Mm. Sure. So the scenario exercise, we've done that. Sure. We've come up with a couple of scenarios for Africa's future sure. for youth entrepreneurship, yeah. and we're going to be running panels and debates across the entire continent. The first mm. one is on um, going to be live broadcast this afternoon, mm. uh, in a, and um, we're going to do more events uh, over the year, and we're going to release a, like a policy paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, towards the end of the year. Fantastic. And hopefully we'll influence government. Sure. Well, fantastic. Thanks, guys, for speaking mm-hmm. to us.
0: Cool. That's the voice there of Josh Adler, the Vice President of Global Programs here at the African Leadership Academy. Thanks as well to the entrepreneur and Zisha Fellow, Caridas Chincholo. Thank you both for giving us thank your you. time. Thank you and keep doing well. the thank great you. work as the Leadership Academy. Really appreciate you guys. Right. Thank, thank, you thank you so you. much. Awesome. We're going to take a quick break and when we come back we'll speak with some of the panelists that have been speaking today. We have a Elizabeth Bintcliffe, CEO of Junior Achievement Africa, and also Eric Siakwan, who is the co-founder of Angel Fair Africa and managing partner at Chanzo Capital. Let's take a quick break, and then we'll be back after this.
3: research shows that purpose-led organizations consistently outperform their competitors learn more about how shared value thinking can take your business to new heights at the africa shared value summit from the 23rd to the 24th of may 2019 in nairobi kenya learn more and book your ticket at africasharedvaluesummit.com today channel africa is a proud media partner of Africa Shared Value Summit and will broadcast live from the summit. Make sure you don't miss on the broadcasts on the 23rd and the 24th of May 2019. Log on to www.channelafrica.co.za or DSTV channel 802 for more on what will be transpiring at the summit. Channel Africa from an African perspective.
0: Well, thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa. If you're listening to us on our various platforms, we on the dsTV channel eight o two on the audio bouquet. Hey? We're right here at the Hilton Hotel in Santon, where the uh, Very Young Entrepreneur Education and Acceleration Summit is underway. It's an initiative of the Anzisha Prize in partnership with the African Leadership Academy and Mastercard Foundation. We're also going to just get into some of the conversations that have been happening this morning. We've got Elizabeth Bintliff, who is the CEO of Junior Achievement Africa, and Eric Osiakwan, who is the co-founder of Angel Fair Africa and managing and partner at Chanzo Capital, thank you guys for giving us your time, Elizabeth. Tell us a little bit about uh, CEO of Junior Achievement Africa. Tell us a little bit about that initiative that you started.
4: Thank you for having me first of all. Cool. Um, Junior Achievement Africa is an organization that's focused on the economic empowerment of youth yeah. and really bridging the gap between what kids are learning in school and what they need to be successful in the work uh, workplace, mm-hmm. especially as the 21st century workplace is changing so quickly, mm-hmm. so we teach kids how to be entrepreneurs. Um, We teach them how to be ready for work, everything from CV, creating skills, to interviewing, and then what do you do after you get the job. Mm. And then we also teach them about financial literacy, personal finance, and business finance. Mm. All of these things, of course, interweave with each other. So they need to understand from the time they're very little, we're teaching them basic concepts like earning and saving, spending, you know, how to make wise decisions. And then by the time they finish high school, they understand budgeting, banking, investment, taxation, fraud, debt, and more complex financial concepts.
0: Why did you think that was important for you to start? Especially around the fact that in Africa, we don't really think very young to people or um, young really gave themselves into entrepreneurship. Sometimes Africa can be very uh, education centric in terms of formal education.
4: I agree and that's exactly why we, we chose to um, focus on this area because the reality is that our continent is not creating as many jobs as we're graduating at, um, kids from school. We are graduating about 11 million kids every year from schools across the continent mm. and we're only having creating about 3 million jobs so there's about a 9 million uh-huh. job gap mm-hmm. um, and it takes the average young person's about six years to find their first job so we have a lot of young people who are becoming entrepreneurs by default rather than by design and if they're going to go on to create companies and enterprises we think that it's important to help them to understand what that is from as young as high school because 1% of kids are going into tertiary education. Mm. So we want them to succeed. We want them to learn early.
0: Mm. Eric, let me come to you in terms, tell us a little bit as well about your company, Angel Fair Africa, and also Chanzo Capital. Tell us a little bit so the listener understands the platform in which you function.
5: So um, thanks for inviting me as well. Ecosystem is around the entrepreneur to satisfy the customer. Mm -hmm. And so capacity is money community is connecting them into the business world mm. and leveraging our network mm. and bringing other people that are mentors board mm. members who could be advisors mm. who could provide legal so those personal. that
0: also helps in terms of Correct. entrance into the market yeah.
5: and then capacity mm. is, uh, is is what's happening here too mm. right mm. the uh, with the whole ala world is about mm. building capacity of entrepreneurs and mm. we entrepreneurial capacity mm. right so they can identify the entrepreneurs and be, give them the training mm. they need so this helps put them in a pedestal for, for us to be able to invest in them right mm. so which is why we're excited about this partnership in working with um, um, ALA because we believe that right it's a very internal phenomenon mm. your parents always wanted you to finish school you either not mm. get a job or you leave the continent so so now just one generation after me it just changed yeah. i mean it's a it's a very powerful paradigm shift that yeah. i still kind of it's a mystery to me sure that the entrepreneurs i'm investing in are guys who believe that they can build the google mm. of africa from here wow. they, they believe that they can actually build a company that can be more successful than google mm. right so that's a very you would say it's utopian mm. but that's the world has always been changed by people who dream sure. and they dream big sure. and suddenly you look at them and they're doing like what you but you know it was the same thing with facebook mm-hmm. and, and and google those mm-hmm. guys when they started saying the things they were going to build people didn't believe them mm-hmm. so for me it's a great awakening mm-hmm. that africans younger generation are beginning to believe in themselves mm-hmm. believe in establishing their destiny on the continent mm-hmm. through private enterprise mm-hmm. and for for me that's something that we must all support mm-hmm. and as you take the bigger picture You know, Africa is going to constitute 40% of global population in the next two decades. Mm. 70% of that is below 25 years. Mm. Um, As she said, we are graduating 11 million Mm. uh, um, employers into the workforce, and we're only able to provide work for 3 million. Mm. So the challenge we're going to have is jobs. And the only way you create jobs is by creating businesses. It's businesses that employ people. Right. Yeah. So, so for me, this is this to be at the nexus of our economic development agenda. Mm.
0: And and that's interesting because it's important to bridge these two worlds of what you're doing, Elizabeth, in terms of the, um, the education around entrepreneurship and also bridging. That space where, by the implementation, you also have that support system that we're seeing Eric embarking upon. How important is that? That there isn't a, a gap between um, entrepreneurship education and and that support when you are actually starting up as a young entrepreneur.
4: I think it's very important and to the point that Eric made, you know, how we transition young people out of school into the workplace is very critical and it's very delicate. And I think that success depends on starting really young and framing the options for them at that very young age before they become risk-averse, before the influence of their parents and their career choices becomes too dominant, you know, all of those things have to be done. Um, very carefully um, but I think to your point also you mentioned Facebook and how it was built and this new generation and the way they think I think there's also a branding issue around entrepreneurship because young people don't understand what it is I spend a lot of time with young people I speak to a lot of them and when I asked young aspiring or actual entrepreneurs what they want to be um, or who they aspire to be like when they grow up it's usually Richard Branson or Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> and you know two white men who are very accomplished in their own rights but you know very little correlation between the African African child and sure. who an entrepreneur is. And very few of them can mention, you know, Dangote or Strive Masiwa sure. or Chris Kirubi. Very few of them think of an African as an entrepreneur, let alone, you know, the welder or whatever business person is just down the street from them. So I think we need to really change that narrative and reframe for them what an African entrepreneur is and reframe for them what African entrepreneurship can look like so that, to your point, this new generation can really dig into solving African problems for Africa and with an African lens.
5: Sure. You want to say something? No, I was just going to say that the part of reframing that narrative is that successful African entrepreneurs should start telling their stories themselves, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. start writing about it, mm-hmm. start getting on media, mentoring. Start, start mentoring, mm-hmm. right? Because it's just the way the world works. Mm-hmm. If you can be, I and mean, they're very successful African entrepreneurs who are very quiet. They're like, oh, I don't want to get in the mm. media. I just do no, in my little corner. Mm. But you need to start thinking not just about your little corner, but about the next generation. It's
4: about legacy. It,
5: it's about yeah. legacy. Just yeah. yeah. thinking about legacy, yeah. and the fact that the reason you are successful is that you are supposed to be the be the shoulder for the next generation. And this is where our intergenerational thinking is limited, yeah. and we need to start getting into that. I mean, I was lucky to be successful entrepreneur. an entrepreneur. One of the things I told myself, the people helped me to be successful, and I want to be a shoulder, or at least I want to give a leg out to the next Sure. Course. And that's why I do what I do.
0: Yeah. And also, you spoke about the issue of how important incentives for yeah. young, small, entrepreneur-based yeah. businesses, because on the African continent, governments don't think in that framework. Correct. So, you know,
5: entrepreneurship, starting a company is very risky and also investing in early-stage companies is very risky. Generally, about 70% of the companies fail, so Mm -hmm. the probability of success is 30%. Mm. So the thinking is that how do you create, so so you have to create an incentive and a framework for people to take that risk. So on the entrepreneurial side, for example, entrepreneurs should get a tax break for the early days of starting the company because the guy is just trying to figure it out, and then right there you are shoving tax down, here. you know. It's, it's a disincentive, right? So if, and this is, and let me give you the premise, right? So if you as a government see the youth as the future and you see the way to solve jobs is by creating businesses, then you need to start thinking back and say, what do I do to enable more businesses?
0: Okay, we're going to see if we're going to wrap it up. But just give me your final sentiments there, um, Eric, and then I'll get your final sentiments, Elizabeth, because I see we're having this network problem. No, let's, let's just wrap it up.
5: My final sentiment is I think it's great that we can catch the young and give them a leg up. And this is important for us, those who have succeeded, and especially wealthy Africans and high with Africans. You need to start thinking about legacy. And this means that in your own little way, think about how you can give the next generation
0: a leg up. Elizabeth, Finally?
4: Yes. Finally, I'd say for for your listeners who are parents, mm-hmm. to really um, be open their minds up when their children come to them and say they want to continue uh, consider entrepreneurship, sure. and to really explore that and support them in those choices that they make.